Though yesterday was a very hot and humid day, it was a great day as Corey and Lynette were, were married off. Uh, there, there are few things more beautiful than a Christian wedding. And to see uh, the two people that God has brought together uh, bonded in, in holy matrimony uh, was really a lot of fun. And I'm sure that uh, they're praising God for how he has blessed their lives. It's really good to see everyone uh, this morning. I wanted to uh, finish the last uh, keynote message, or at least review, uh, from REACH 2016. Uh, we, we've already talked about uh, reaching in, reaching up, uh, within REACH. Today we're going to talk about reach out. Reach out, especially as we, we go into the fall season, and the fall is known as a season of harvest. Uh, we want to set our hearts and minds on, on the real harvest, and that is helping people find God, helping souls come to Jesus. So we're going to be uh, reviewing that. Doug Arthur uh, gave this message, and he, even though I won't use all of his points uh, per se, I will share what those main points were with you in just a minute. And then prayerfully we can walk, walk away encouraged and having our hearts and minds set on the harvest that God wants us to reap to his glory as we try to help more and more people get to heaven. Let's pray together as we get started. Uh, God and Father in heaven, thank you for reaching out to us. Uh, thank you, God, that in a time in our lives when we were without hope and without God, you sent someone into our lives to show us the, the love and the compassion of Jesus, to open our eyes to the truth, and we will be forever eternally grateful to you for the gift of salvation uh, that we would have never received without some compassionate heart sharing the good news with us. Thank you for Jesus being willing to die on a cross for us. Help us to never take that for granted, God, but to realize that salvation came at a, at a high price and it just really reveals how much you love and care about all of us. Thank you for your son. Thank you for this time together. Really speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Where's the world? It shouldn't describe disciples. It should not be the adjectives that are used for us. This should not describe those who are in Christ. Jesus is our shepherd. We have a shepherd. We're not harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. We have a shepherd. He is our guide. He is our light. He is our example. He is our Lord. He is our provider. Is he the shepherd of your life? Now, this doesn't mean that as a Christian that we have more material wealth than, than other people or we have more possessions or or that we live in a nicer house, or, or we drive a nicer car, but what it really means is, I know God. I know why I'm here. I know why God put me here. And I have a relationship with the creator of the world. And so, no, I'm not aimless. When I get up in the morning, I know why God put me on this earth. When I go out of my house, I know what my mission in life is. So I'm not supposed to be seen as harassed and helpless, but I'm supposed to be, be seen as someone 
who has life to the full. And I think too often we just look at the material side of that. That's not the answer. That's not the answer. The answer is that I know my God. I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And even though you may have more than me materially, you don't have the life that is truly life. And I wouldn't trade my life for your life for one minute. Because I have the most valuable possession. You remember Psalm 23? Let me ask you, is this Psalm real in your life? What did David say? The Lord is my shepherd. Is the Lord your shepherd? I shall not be in war. I guess we're getting applause on that. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. In the presence of my enemies, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Does the Lord lead you? Does he guide you in the path of righteousness? Does he restore your soul when your soul is heavy laden and burdened? Does he comfort you? Does knowing Jesus make the difference in your life? It should. We should not be the people who are down and out. We should not be the people who are harassed and helpless. We should be the people who rejoice in the Lord always. We should be the people with the light in their eye. We should be the people who others are asking, why are you happy? Why are you up? Why are you excited about life? Even in the midst of, of heat, even in the midst of the cold, why, why is your demeanor the way it is? Because I've found the Lord. Because I know God. Because my sins have been forgiven. Because I've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. That's why. But oftentimes that's not where we are. And so how can you share the good news when you feel like your life is bad news? We can't help the harassed and helpless if we're harassed and helpless. How do you do that? Here's another scripture. John 10. Jesus says, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. That's Jesus. The watchman opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. Are you listening to the voice of Jesus? Now, when you're going through trial, when you're going through difficulties, whose voice do you listen to? You know, a lot of times when, when we're facing struggle and, and disappointment and hardship, instead of listening to the voice of Jesus, we listen to our own voice. Or we listen to the voice of other negative people. We listen to the wrong voice. 
When really when I'm going through struggle and trial and difficulty, I need to listen to the voice of who? I need to listen to the voice of Jesus. I need to hear him tell me, do not give in to fear. Trust in me. I'm here for you. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Come unto me, all who are weary and heavy laden. When we're facing disappointment, unfortunately, I think too many of us, we listen to voices from the past. The real test of whether Jesus is your shepherd is not what you do on the, on, on the days when things are good. It's what you do when things are, are difficult. That's when you need a shepherd. When, you, when you're facing trial, when you're, when you're facing struggle, that's when you need Jesus to be your shepherd. You know, some of us, when we go through struggle, we just shut down. Some of us, we don't even show up at church. I'm going to stay home. Well, where is Jesus? He's supposed to be your shepherd. What would he tell you? Would the Lord tell you to stay home when you're going through a bad day? Would the Lord tell you to give up and give in to self-pity? And to sit there and, 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 and give in to your emotions and your feelings? I need the Lord to be my shepherd on my hardest day. That's when I need to grab a hold of him and say that I'm going to let him lead me. I'm going to let him guide me. That's how we keep from being harassed and helpless because he's never wrong. He never leads us astray. He's always right if we will just listen to him. And the problem sometimes is that we won't listen when we most need to listen. Whose voice are you listening to? You listening to old friends whose lives are broken down just like yours used to be? Are you listening to the voice of God? The voice of Jesus. When our sinful nature attacks us, and it does, who do we listen to? You know, as you train yourself spiritually and you learn, and really the reason you need to have Bible, daily Bible study is because the Word needs to be in your heart, it needs to be in your mind, it needs to be in your conscience. So that when you're going through trials, you go back to the Word of God and you remember what God said to you. And you hear His voice. Whose voice are you hearing today? Listen, people. We'll never get anything done if we only do what's right when we feel like it. We'll never get anything done. We'll never give glory to God if we're waiting for everything to line up and be exactly right in our lives. I'm here to tell you, life is filled with all kind of struggle and disappointment and unexpected, let me say, unexpected challenges. I can't tell you what storms are going to come in your life tomorrow. But I know this, that when you go through the storm, you need to listen to the voice of Jesus. And we get challenged in life. You know, as we, as we make transition in our lives, as we go to new places, as we take on new challenges, that's when we find out is Jesus really the shepherd of my life? And really, it can't just be about church. 
It's got to be about you and the Lord. The Lord is my shepherd. My shepherd. I allow him to guide my life. That's what we've got to learn to do. And then we can help other people. You know, I've been sitting down with a friend of mine here lately. We've been having a lot of breakfast appointments. And he's, from an outward appearance, his life is pretty good. He's got a lot going for him. But when it comes down to really understanding why he's on this earth and knowing how to make relationships work, he is harassed and helpless. But outwardly, it all looks good. And we've got to understand that anybody, anybody who does not have Jesus in their life is missing something. And I'm not so sure sometimes that we are as convinced of that as we need to be. If a person does not have the cornerstone of life, which is Jesus, then they're building their house on sand. It cannot stand. And it's like with Sam. It looks like their life is better than my life. What are you looking at? What are you looking at? You've got to look beyond the exterior and realize that, that what you have is so much more. Psalm 84, verse 10. Look at what Psalm 84 verse 10 tells us. Better is one day in your court than a thousand elsewhere. Do you believe that, church? I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. I'd rather be on the last row of heaven than in a mansion on this earth. I'd rather know Jesus and have nothing go through every struggle, every trial in this life, and make it to heaven that envy the world, which is empty. Do we value what we have in Christ? I want to encourage you. Realize what you have if you claim to be a Christian. Realize what you found if you have the Lord. 2 Corinthians 6, Paul said this about the disciples. I'll begin in verse 9. He says, known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. Is that the way you feel as a Christian? That I have the life that is truly life. You know, sometimes I think we're just not excited enough about what we have in Christ. We're just not enthused enough about what we found because we're so focused on the negative and what's hard and what's difficult when that should not be the case. You know, the, 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 the blind man in John 9. The Pharisees came to him and they said, who, 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 who healed you? Who, 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 who turned your life around? And he said, you don't know? You don't know? And he says, I don't know who he was, but I do know this. I once was blind, but now I see. 
And see, people are going to look at you and say, well, you don't have this. You don't have that. Says, no, I don't. But I know this. I once was blind, but now I see. And it doesn't matter that you may have more than I have materially. But I know this. Without God, you're still blind. I once was blind, but now I see. Is that the attitude that we have? When the prodigal son comes back home, what does, his, what does his father say in that parable? He said, this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There's nothing better than that. That's where we were. We were dead, but we're alive again. I was lost, but now I'm found. I don't care what you have. If you don't have Jesus, you don't have what I have. I'm not the run harassed and helpless. You're harassed and helpless if you don't know God. If you don't have the hope of heaven. If all you have to live for is this life, shame on you. We've got so much more. And I think sometimes we, we just need to get in Get connected with that. I mean, if you're at home and, and you're a disciple and your kids are not, they should see the joy you have in Christ. You just can't be a miserable Christian. So I'm just carrying my cross. Really? I know we're carrying our cross, but come on. Where's your joy in the Lord? Has Jesus really made a difference? On your job, well, yeah, I go to church. Well, yeah, but you're as miserable as the rest of us. Why should I go to church with you when I can stay home? I can stay home and be miserable rather than go to church with you and all your miserable friends. Where's the joy in the Lord? When people walk in here, they should see the joy that we have. We don't have to fake it because it's real. It's real. Because Jesus is real. I once was lost. But now I'm found. Jesus saw the multitude. They were harassed and helpless. Why? Because they did not have him. We do have him. If we were in that crowd, he should not identify us as harassed and helpless. But as the people who found life, that is really life. Jesus said, I came that you may have life and have it to the full. And he said it and he had nothing. He had no place to lay his head. He had borrowed clothes. He, had, no, he didn't live in a mansion. He was supported by other people. And yet nobody lived life more fully than Jesus did. And we've got to take our eyes off of the external, off of the material, and look within and realize that if I've found peace in God, if I've found the hope of heaven, if my sins are forgiven, if I can go to bed at night with a clear conscience, knowing I'm right with God, whether I get up the next morning or not, I know where I'm headed. If I've got that, I've got more than anything this world can offer me. So why aren't you sharing that good news with your friends? You don't, if the news is really good, you're going to talk about it. I tell you what, it's a problem. If Corey and Lynette go on their honeymoon and they don't tell anybody that they're married. That's a problem. If you get engaged and you don't tell anybody, that's a problem. 
You, you can't keep something like that to yourself. Come on. It's good news. And that's the way it should be with Jesus, because Jesus is better news than that. You know, listen, singles, being married is great, but it's not greater than knowing Jesus. It's just not. And it's definitely not if the man that you're going after, the woman you're going after, does not know Jesus. That's more like hell on earth. But are we counting our blessings? Are we rejoicing in the Lord always? You know, I look at some of you and I just wonder, are you still harassed and helpless? What happened? You're supposed to know God. How are we going to lead other people to the Lord if we're not excited about it? That's the way it needs to be in our hearts. The assessment. As Jesus looks at your life, what's his assessment? You know, a lot of you, you're still holding back. You're still sitting on the sidelines. And you've got an assessment of the church and what the church needs. But we don't see the joy of the Lord in your life. You see, my second point, and let me just make it real quick, is Christ's investment. He just didn't make an assessment, but he made an investment. Because when you really believe in something, you give your heart to it. I'm invested in the, in the New York City Church of Christ. I just don't visit it. I'm not just on the roll. I'm invested. It's my life. It's my family. It's the most important thing in my life. I think about it every day. I pray about it every day. Jesus had a heart of compassion, but he went and he did something about it. He went out and he began to help people. And so he tells us, just don't make an assessment, but, but get invested. John 3.16, for God did what? He so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. You have to get invested. You can find any church where you can just go and visit. They'll put you on the roll. You can leave for three months and come back, and you'll still be on the roll. But in this church, we're looking for disciples who are invested in what they believe. If you believe in it, then invest in it. If you don't believe in it, then let us know. Get invested. I'm not interested in showing up on Wednesday night to meet with a bunch of people who are faking it. I want to show up on Wednesday night with people who are invested in the Lord's work. And I'm invested because he invested in me. How invested are you? Jesus made the ultimate investment. He gave his life. He gave himself. Philippians 2 says that he humbled himself. He made himself nothing. Other translations say he emptied himself. He emptied himself. What are you giving to the Bronx ministry. So many people in here give so much. Our worship team, they get here early and they serve. They rarely get thanks, but they practice and they give and they give. Children's ministry people, which some of you don't want to serve in, and they're your kids. They give. 
they invest because they believe in the future of our children. So they give of themselves. Some of them come and they, it was supposed to be their time off and they get a tap on the shoulder. Can you come and help because someone else did not show up? And they willingly give and invest. Others who usher, others who help with our singles ministry and who help with our campus ministry and who help with our, our preaching. I mean, a brother, you know, he's taking your, your, your kids out right now. He's invested. He could be in here and is just enjoying the service and he's taking your kids out because he believes in them. That's investment. But then when he calls a meeting, some of you won't show up because he's more invested in your kids than you are. If you want them to go to heaven, you've got to invest. It's got to be your investment. It's not my job to get your kids to heaven. It's your job. And you can't do that without investment. Invest yourself. If your kids are in the preteen ministry, then you're in the preteen ministry. If they're in the youth ministry, you're in the youth ministry. If they're in the campus ministry, then you're in the campus ministry. Don't sit on the sidelines waiting for somebody else to invest. You invest. How much are you willing to invest? Your time. It's going to take your time. It's going to take energy. It's going to take financial resources. It's been a crazy summer. In and out of town. Cynthia and I still have given our contribution every week. And the weeks that we weren't here, we came back and we made up for it. You know why? Because we're invested in the New York City Church of Christ. We're invested. And it's not about anybody else asking us if we gave it or not. It's because we believe in what we're a part of. We believe in it. I believe in it more than I believe in Con Edison. I believe in it more than I believe in Verizon. I believe in it more than I believe in AT&T. And they get my check. And if they get my check, then the Lord's got to get my check first. Because I'm invested in what I'm doing. And some of us, we miss, and we don't even feel any remorse or guilt about it. You know why? Because we're not invested in the Lord's work like we're invested in ourselves. If my money goes anywhere, it needs to go to an eternal cause and not to some worldly investment. Oh, yeah, I'm thankful that you had a vacation. But there ain't going to be no vacation that compares to heaven. No vacation. And so I'm going to give my worldly treasures, my earthly treasures to the Lord because he can do more with it than the world can. How much are you willing to invest? I'm here because it's my life. And I think a great example of investment is Simone Biles. We're going to look at a video here in a minute. Simone Biles is who she is because her grandparents invested in her. Amazing human being. Incredible talent. But somebody had to invest. Because without investment, people are harassed and helpless. So let's look at this video, then we'll close out. I'll keep talking. 
You know, if we're going to reap a harvest, we can't just do it in our spare time. It, it takes sacrifice. It takes sacrifice. And to me, the church and what we do as the body of Christ is worth the sacrifice. We, we, we just can't do it without giving of ourselves. You know, Antoine read a scripture earlier, and he said, it's, the Lord said, well, Paul said, the Lord said, it is more blessed to give than it is received. And that's true. I mean, when you're giving, which we were made and created to do, then, then you're at a better place in life. You weren't made to be self-centered. You weren't made to, to just... Take all of what God's given to you and just use it for yourself. And I know that's our sinful nature because the first thing Jesus tells us, if anyone would come after me, he must do what? He must do what? That's, that's spiritual lesson number one. Why? Because our nature is to be selfish people. That's just, that's true for me. That's true for you. That's true for all of us. And so every day we have to fight that nature. And we have to obey what Jesus said because the Bible says, Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your lap. God says, you can't outgive me. Give and I'll give back. And it'll overflow into your life. I'm never happier as a disciple than when I'm taking my heart and my mind off of me and trying to give to others. And really, that's what seeking and saving the lost is all about. You know, Jesus at one time, he, he told his disciples, he said, look, all these people have come to hear me. What do you think we should do? You know what they said? Send them away. He says, well, we need to feed these people. They said, really? No, we, we don't need to feed these people. Send them away so they can, so they can go home and eat. What's wrong with you, Jesus? There's 5,000 men here. What did Jesus tell them? You give them something to eat. They're like... A year's wages wouldn't feed up. I mean, come on, James, you're losing it, man. He says, what, what do you got? How many baskets do you have? And he multiplied and met those needs. That's the heart of God. And that's the heart that God wants us to have. So now we're going to watch the video. <laughs> and then I'll make one statement after the video, and that'll be the sermon for the day. This finger say USA in either blue or red. Simone, I mean, she loves girly stuff, so she loves to to shop, and she loves to get her nails done, her hair done. Uh, she loves to feel pretty. See, I tried to paint it by myself. Yeah, I got to paint it. They didn't work. <laughs> She's a teenager, typical female teenager. Drama. Mom said this was fine. There's laughter. My job here is done. <laughs> my mom and my dad 
I can go to them after a bad day or after a good day, and they always love me, so I'm always their Simone. <laughs> Dad, do you remember that? I went to everybody's house. Everybody had different flowers. And I was like, I'm going to make Mama bouquet. <laughs> Ron and Nellie Biles are Simone's grandparents. But when she was two and her sister Adria was six months old, they were put into foster care. So Ron and Nellie adopted them and became their parents, too. Simone was born as my granddaughter. I, I named her. Her mother had many problems, whether with drugs or alcohol. She, the kids eventually were taken away from her. We took them in as family because they were family. And, and just gave them what we had. That's love and encouragement. There's not really a story to it. They're just my mom and dad because that's all I've ever known. I was so young. She was just one of these hyper childs, always flipping all over the place. It was not until Simone got in the elite section that I realized, wow, she's really good. But during that time, Simone was struggling with herself. She didn't believe that she belonged with the other elite gymnasts. She, she didn't think she was as good as they were. She didn't believe in herself. Simone Biles, first year as a senior, three years away from Rio de Janeiro. At those 2013 World Championships, Biles first, the then 16-year-old received some motherly advice to reinforce her confidence. I said, you need to go out there and be the best Simone. And she knows what that means. Go out there and do the best that you can. She was a kid yesterday, and now she is the best gymnast in the world. I remember grabbing onto Ron and just crying because there was so much emotions inside. Did we ever expect her to become world champion? No. Was this a goal we were striving for? No. We're extremely proud of her accomplishments. It feels like the most amazing thing just because all of your hard work and dedication throughout the years is finally paying off and so to see your name being shown like on a billboard and having like USA beside it, you just feel so proud. Thank God somebody reached out to that little girl and changed her life. You can reach out to somebody and change their life. The world is harassed and helpless without sheep, without a like sheep without a shepherd. We have the good shepherd. Let's go and let's share the good news that God's given us with someone else. Let's do that this week. Let's do that today if the opportunity provides itself. Let's not keep all the blessings that God's given us to ourselves. You can help somebody. You have the greatest treasure in all the world. Jesus Christ. Reach in. Reach up. Please reach out. God bless you.